You know, in God's word where it says that when we come together, we should confess our sins. Um, I feel like I hit a new parenting low on Friday night. My, my son woke up at about three in the morning and he's my sleeping champ. Like he sleeps almost every hour of the day. Um, but he woke up at three in the morning and he was convinced that he was hungry and he needed to go eat breakfast at three in the morning. And so you guys, I bribed my son with the promise of a donut if he would go back to bed. Like, true story. I was so desperate. And if you know me well, that picture was taken at 9 a.m. when he woke up after the bribe. So, glory to God, it worked. But I just wanted to get that off my chest, just so that we're clear here. Hey, Jesus said in John 6.35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then he said in Psalm 119, 105, that um, the Bible says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, these two verses are telling us the Bible, which is God's spoken word, um, that the Bible both nourishes us and it directs our life path. So the Bible, like, what else is there that we need as Christ followers? This is the basic of what we need. But those two things, I believe, are what we so often focus on. Number one, what am I going to eat next? And number two, what am I doing with my life? So God words, God's word gives us the bread of life, and it directs our path. Today, I have one really simple goal for you. And I want us to, as a body of believers, as people who love Jesus, I want us to rediscover our need and our hunger for God's word. That's it. That's all I want us to do. Rediscover our need and hunger for God's word. Because if we can accomplish this goal, if reading God's word actually becomes habit in our life, it is going to change our lives. And I promise you, it will also change our kids' lives and potentially generations to come because habits usually get passed down from generation to generation. Some habits are really good. So I want us to have a hunger for God's word. Now, in my little family of five, we have a term that gets used pretty regularly, um, on the daily, usually. And um, we have three small children that are under five and under. And so this term usually gets used during the four to five o'clock hour, the last hour of the day before daddy gets home from work. And um, it is used to describe an emotional state of being. This term is called hangry. I borrowed the term from my friends, the Krabenhoffs. We learned this from them um, as our first parenting tip from them, that sometimes your children will be hangry and you have to deal with it. And this is the state of being when someone is so hungry that they begin to get angry. So hangry. You guys tracking with me? Okay. I'm usually the primary source of the hanger. Let's just be honest. Okay. Um, with three little kids, it's just always busy, and sometimes I um, just need to eat more quickly. But as throughout my day, I will sometimes start to feel my mom fuse start to get really short, and it feels like it's ignited, like a firecracker that's going to explode. 
okay? If you're a mom, you or a dad, Paul is nodding his head, you know what this feels like. And usually, I begin to think, like, why am I feeling so hangry? And I realize, like, oh, it is two hours past lunch. I fed my littles, got them into nap, and I forgot to eat lunch, so I'm running on coffee alone. So I go to the kitchen, and I eat some food that is full of nutrients. And within just moments, everything's changed. My outlook is better, my perspective is better, my attitude is better, the hanger has been handled, okay? So, I wanna know from a show of hands, how many of you suffer from hanger from time to time? Like, the whole church. <laughs> the whole church, guys, the struggle's real, okay? Um, but not that long ago, within the last, I would say about two and a half years ago, I started to realize that I had a spiritual hanger in my life. I was spiritually deprived of some nutrition that I needed in my life. I was finding that I was easily angered over things that usually don't upset me or rile me. And um, I was confused by this, though, because I have a really strong faith. I have this unshakable belief that my God is able to handle all things for me in my life. I have a godly husband who's also hot, and that helps. And um, I have three gorgeous children who have, like, the sweetest spirits. Like, they're not crazy. They're busy, but they're not crazy. And I have God's incredible provision, which allows me to stay home and actually raise those three little doll faces. And so I was really confused. Like, God, why am I feeling this way? But God is so good. God gave me this incredible church. You guys, this church has been the most significant blessing in the last season of my life because it has filled me with so much spiritual nutrients, with the strongest biblical teaching that is both encouraging but founded on the word of God. And I mean, sometimes it's super convicting and I squirm in my seat, but at the end of the day, I'm so thankful to be surrounded by those of you who are hungering with us for God's word. So I applaud you for that. I think that's incredible. But as I kind of cataloged through the things in my life, I began to realize that it was none of those things' fault that I was sp feeling spiritually hangry. It was my fault. It was my fault because I was allowing the busy and the loud of my life to crowd out my time with God the Father, with Jesus the Son, with the Holy Spirit. See, because I really wanted to spend time in God's Word, studying it and digging into it, but I wasn't giving the time that was necessary. I was becoming a little bit lax in my time with Jesus. I mean, I was still like flare praying it all day long, but I wasn't digging in to God's word. I was kind of just almost checking it off of my daily list, like as if it were no more important than walking on the treadmill in the morning or brushing my teeth before I went out the door, because we know that's a non-negotiable. But see, I was realizing that I wasn't letting God's word fully penetrate my soul, and I wasn't absorbing the words that he was speaking to me. He was speaking. He was not silent, but I was not absorbing them. So I was spiritually hangry, and it was my fault. Okay, show of hands, how many of you would be honest enough to say that sometimes you struggle to read God's word? Many of you. If you didn't raise your hand... You're a liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> Going old school. So today we are kicking off this series called Basics. And we, um, 
We just want to discuss the basics of our Christian faith over the next few weeks because I think sometimes we need to recenter and refocus, and so that's what we're going to do. But I think we need to kind of help remove some of the layers that surround Christianity today and the church of today because it is actually possible that some things in church are distracting us from the truth and the simplicity of Jesus and his message. Okay? Sometimes they are distracting us from the truth and the simplicity of Jesus and his message. So trust me when I say I've gotten to be in church leadership for like a decade now, and sometimes church can be too busy. I think here's the very honest truth coming from a church leader. Sometimes we church leaders struggle to try not to believe the lie from the enemy that we need to sugarcoat the message of God for you, that we need to package it perfectly for you, that we need to entertain you and um, give you the ability to have undivided attention to God's word through perfectly spoken story and rhyme. And the fear is birthed through the fact that I think so often we think that if we don't do that, Jesus and God's word won't be enough to keep your attention. In so many cases, guys, this is absolutely true. For so many Christians, the basics of the Christian faith is not enough. So many of us would rather show up to Sunday morning, have a spiritual Sunday brunch with lots of offerings, than take the responsibility of feeding our own soul a diet of spiritual nutrients from God's word throughout the week. We want Sunday to be our fix. Guys, here's the reality. It is your responsibility to consume God's word on your own for yourself. Yes, we will partner with you. We will teach you from God's word. We will help surround you with it, but it is your responsibility. Sunday cannot be your only source of spiritual practice. So this basic series is going to help us simply refocus on what our faith is. Okay? Now, at Church 214, one of our main goals is to help equip you in your faith. And so this series is going to do just that. If you're willing to listen and apply what is taught, this will be successful. Okay? Now, the word equip means to make ready. One of my greatest desires for anyone that is impacting, connecting with my life is that I would help make you ready to meet Jesus face to face because it's coming, ready or not, here he comes. Okay? And then, as you become ready to be meeting Jesus face-to-face, you become a disciple of Jesus, which is the whole goal of our existence on this planet. And then, in turn, my greatest hope and my prayer for you is that you would then, in turn, go and you would begin to make disciples for Jesus. Jesus told us in his final instruction to do this, but so often we neglect to do this, I think because we're afraid. We're afraid that we don't know his word well enough to represent him. We want it to be so perfect coming out of our mouths that we just say nothing in case we sound stupid. So as I began to prepare this message, I began to ask people all around, strangers, friends, family, what is the primary reason you do not read the Bible more often? And here were some of their real answers. I find it kind of boring. I'm just too busy. It's intimidating to me. I never really know where to start. It seems irrelevant to what's going on in my life. 
I try to, my mind wanders, I get distracted. And then this one very brave soul said this, here's honesty, Heidi, I would rather be on social media, it keeps my attention. Church, this is so sad to me because we are at times choosing to set the Bible aside and then we wonder why our life isn't making sense and why we are craving temptation and why we are caving to lifestyles of sin because we're setting the Bible aside. Recently, Beth Moore, who is a phenomenal preacher of God's word, I look up to her immensely, um, she was teaching at the Passion Conference, which was an assembly for students, thousands of students from the nation gathered. She said this, and I want you to listen to this, guys, because this is so relevant to us. She said, you will watch a, generations of, a generation of Christians, of Christians, set the Bible aside in an attempt to become more like Jesus. And stunningly, it will sound completely plausible. This will perhaps be the cleverest of all the devil's schemes in your generation. Sacrifice truth, for love's sake, and you will rise or fall based upon whether you will sacrifice one for the other. Will you have the courage to live in the tension of both truth and love? Friends, this is happening under our watch. The Bible is being pushed aside by Christians in the name of loving others. It is unacceptable that we in this church, that we, the body of Christ, would stand by and allow this to happen, especially in our own lives. Because we live in a world where sin is now justified in the name of acceptance and love, and if we do not agree with that and even champion the cause, we are called haters. Jesus followers, hear me if you hear nothing else. We must be brave enough to study the Bible to speak truth in love. Guys, we have to think with our own brains. We cannot allow ourselves to be conformed to the ways and the lies of this world. You might think I'm being dramatic. I, I can show you drama, this is not it. <laughs> My best friends are laughing. Guys, abandoning the truth of the Bible for the sake of love is sin. It is not right. If we do this, we will answer for it eternally. And scarier as a parent, our children will likely answer for eternity. We have to stand on God's word right now in this generation. We have to show people what it means to love in that tension of truth and love. And it has to be based on God's word. The Bible outlines for us the life of Jesus. He is the source of love, and he is the source of truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the love. So the way to love is spelled out clearly in the pages of the Bible throughout this whole text through Jesus' example of his life. Romans 12.2 says, Do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I'd say probably with those of us in this room, it's a safe bet that someone here probably struggles with a sin today that the world says is okay. Maybe it's cloaked and 
called love instead of its name, which is sin. We all fall short from time to time, but we've got to be so on guard that we're not following the path of the world because it is there and it is clear and it is broad and it is appealing. So we have to be aware of those. Those of us that believe in Jesus, guys, there's a really defined difference for those of us that claim Jesus and believe in him and those that believe in the world. Okay, and what I mean by this is that my friends and my family members that do not love Jesus and do not claim him and do not know him, I do not expect them to model their life after the book of Jesus Christ because they don't believe in him. So I expect them to act like the world. But for myself and for my home and for my family and my friends who do believe in Jesus and who do claim him, I fully expect that we would act like followers of Jesus that we would be brave enough to stand on the truths of God's word. Guys, we cannot afford to shrink back and just follow the crowd. But if we are not, as Jesus followers, reading God's word on a very consistent basis, I'm not going to say that it has to be every single day, but if it's not consistent, it is not a part of the rhythm of our life. And we will not know his will, because we will not know what it says. And then we will conform to the world because the world is shouting really loudly at us. In the past few years, I have devastatingly watched friend after friend after friend, people I love, people who actually claim Jesus, choose paths that don't emulate Jesus. They're following the people of the world. They're setting the Bible aside and picking out scriptures that they want to believe in and casting aside the rest. It's not okay. Because we are people of Jesus, not of the world. Jesus came for us. He came to save us. And then he asked us to make disciples of others. If we're going to make disciples, we have to remain set apart. The risk is too great. You know, I think so many of us, we, we get our feathers ruffled so easily by people, and so then we just back off and we don't share the love of Jesus Hey guys, while our feathers are ruffled, people are burning in hell for eternity. We can't afford to stand by and watch people go to hell, you guys. Last week, we wrapped up this incredible series called Counterculture, and it was phenomenal. The, the preachers in this series spoke on the book of Daniel, something I've heard so many times throughout my life, but they spoke and it just like brought to life the stories of Daniel and the life of Daniel and the things that he accomplished. And it gave me a deeper desire to study the book of Daniel. I thought that was such a huge win that it would cause me to want to go in and dig even deeper. But we talked about how at that time it was so counterculture the way Daniel was living. But he was fine with that. He stood on God's word and he carried on. And I think that leads us into this new series today so beautifully because as we focus on the basics of our faith, we have to know why we believe what we believe. Because the culture will press us to turn away from our beliefs. So guys, as we open this series, I want it to be so super clear, and I'm going to speak um, for our leadership team, for the people that lead this church. At, Ch at Church 214, we absolutely will not support the normalization of anything that goes against Scripture. 
this might sound harsh. This is not harsh. This is me caring about souls in eternity. No matter how counterculture this might be, yes, we will love. We will love so, so intensely. But we will live by norms that are set by Jesus Christ himself, chiefly that of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. According to Galatians in um, chapter 5 and 22 and 23, that is outlined the fruits of the Spirit. Those are the fruits we must have as Jesus' followers. So that sets the stage for what basics is going to entail. We want to grow your faith. We want to equip you. We want to cause you to know Jesus face to face. We want to encourage you to make disciples. So let's get to some basics about the Bible. Have you ever felt bored by the idea of reading the Bible? We've already said, yep, sometimes we do. Have you ever thought, I would read it and I would study it, I just don't really know where to start? You guys take heart, you're not alone. I promise you that probably every Christian at some point in their life has struggled to really get into God's word. We might grab little clippets here and there and then we stop and we don't really know where to go from there. So we have to be intentional about reading God's word, about taking it in and absorbing it, just like we choose to eat food on a daily basis. We gotta take in God's word and absorb it. So I wanna talk to you really briefly about what the Bible is. Okay, if you're sitting here and you really don't know much about the Bible, um, the Bible is the word of God. The maker of the universe inspired these words to be written down by multiple authors over the course of 1,500 years. So there's 66 books in it. The first part is called the Old Testament, and this is um, before Jesus' life lived out on earth, the stories, the, the prophecies of him coming, and then the New Testament, which is the stories of Jesus going forward, his life on earth, and the very last book has yet to be fulfilled. So we are living still in some of the times that the Bible talks about. Um, in a typical printed version, this is a small version of it, but in a typical printed Bible version, the longest book is Psalms, and it takes up almost 100 pages while the shortest book is called 2 John. Now, there's lots of Johns in the Bible. There's John, which is in the Gospels, and then there's more Johns in the back. And it's my understanding that the Johns in the back kind of get overlooked because John is the famous one in the front who talks about the stories of Jesus, okay? But it's interesting to me, they both get to be called books. 2 John is a partial page in the book. In the Word of God, it's a partial page but it still gets to be called a good book. God still included it in the book of the Bible. I think someone here today needs to hear this. You think that that little thing that God has called you to do is like the partial page, the partial second John, like almost not even worth mentioning. Like you feel overshadowed and overlooked, but God has a great purpose for you and your little partial page calling, okay? He's still including you in the story of God. And guess what? He still breathed his breath of life into that vision he gave you when he gave it to you. So we need to stop acting like we are just partial pages when we're actually sent by the voice of God and he's given us the breath of life to fulfill that call. 
You know what is so interesting to me? When I was thinking about that little partial page, the second book of John, and how insignificant he seems, I thought, you know, it's been a while since I've focused on little partial page John. So I went and I opened my Bible and I looked up partial page John. You know what partial page John is all about? Friends, I had written this message. You know what he's about? He is about living in the tension of truth and love. Holy freaking smokes. It's almost like God knew what was going to be on that partial page. I had forgotten, but God had not. He is so intentional in our lives. Sometimes I geek out about how much God loves me. That song, like, that God is proud to be seen with us, that is humbling. Okay. I feel like I need to share some practical ideas about studying God's word. Otherwise, I might just go off the handle and just preach up a storm, and then y'all are going to be starving for lunch. Um, So let's talk practical. Number one. Guys, some of us need to just pull out our Bible from the, from the drawer that we've forgotten about or off the shelf. And first of all, we need to dust it off. Okay, so number one, write that down. Dust it off. Number two, we need to read our Bibles. Let's go with daily. Daily's good. I like to eat daily. I want to read God's Word daily. Okay, so you're right now thinking, hey, Heidi, I could have stayed home in my jammies for those points. <laughs> you could have. But today's my day to encourage you to read God's Word. And I think it starts with us dusting off our Bibles and reading them. Because if we don't start there, the rest doesn't even matter. So so basics. We're going to get back to the basics of being Jesus followers. Guys, it doesn't get more basic than reading His Word. Okay? We can do a whole lot of singing and dancing, and if we don't know God's Word, it doesn't matter. I think 50% of us or more in this room probably have a laziness when it comes to reading God's word. And I, I am not beating you up. I started this day off by telling you that I had gotten lax and that I have had to regain control of that spiritual practice. And now it has had to become a non-negotiable. Okay? I would not go to a coffee meeting with you without brushing my teeth for your own sake and goodness. I also cannot show up and see people face-to-face and try to lead them to know Jesus without being face-to-face with Jesus first. Okay, practical point three. I got to move on fast. Consistency, quality, and application over quantity. For a long time, I think churches were like, hey, spend 30 to 60 minutes and just read God's word. And we would just read, 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 and we would get so overwhelmed that we would not really take anything in, let alone apply anything. So I want to challenge you with this. Recently, one of my brothers, who I love and just adore him, he's such a doll face, he told me that he has changed his Bible reading practice from read, 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 30, 60 minutes every day, to let me take a few verses, let me read them each morning, and then let me live out the rest of my day trying to apply those few verses. Brilliant. Brilliant. Some of you might want to do that. Practical point four, you might need to switch it up. For years, I read and studied and memorized from this Bible. It is duct taped because it was falling apart. And um, so I was a little old school. This is the King James Version. It says these and thousand 
Um, this is what I memorized from, so all good things, really good things, lots of notes in this Bible. But I started to realize that as I would study, that I would get stuck in the rut of what God had already spoken to me in seasons past. So when we started this church, my sweet husband gifted me a new Bible, the NLT, and it has yet to be completely broken in like my other one was. But it's so cool because as I read this now, I'm reading it in a new light, in a new season, and God is illuminating new things in his word to me. And it's been interesting because it's the same word, just in a different binding without any duct tape. And it's become alive to me again. So maybe switch it up. Maybe buy yourself a new Bible. New is always exciting. Practical point five. Hey, guys, there is an app for that. For real, there is. It is called the YouVersion Bible app. This app is incredible. If you don't have it, I give you permission to download it right now while I'm speaking. You can even zone out to download it if you want. But Pastor Craig Rochelle of Life Church, th their staff developed this app and they give it away for free so that the word of God can go forth into every country, into every tongue, into every nation, and that people have access to the word of God. And millions and millions and millions of downloads on this app have happened. They could have made a ton of money on this app but their goal was to send the word of God forward. So this app gives you the opportunity to have devotional studies. Maybe you need a devotional study on overcoming fear or anxiety. Maybe you need a study on finding joy through grief. Maybe you need a study on being able to break free from depression. You can search for those in this app, and then every day it gives you a devotional and it gives you the scripture to read within that app. The coolest thing is it will send you a text or an email to remind you to read God's word. So no more excuses like, God, I forgot to read your word. No, you didn't because you're on your phone all day long every day. You saw that text come through. Like, let's not try to mess with God and tell him like, I just forgot about you. <laughs> if God was on Instagram, we'd all be in his face all the time. So this year in 2017, um, I've done that. I, down, I had the app, but I have started to read the version devotional plans, and I have, um, I'm in my fourth one, and it's been awesome. It's just turning God's word into something fresh and new in a season of life that's really busy for me, um, but it's helped me be non-negotiable about being with Jesus in his word. The other day... <laughs> God speaks to me through my kids all the time. I was in the basement, and they were, the three of them, running around playing, and it was not quiet, but I was reading God's word. It was my time. And Wilder, our two-year-old, kept saying, Mom, Mommy, Mom, watch. Mom, Mommy, Mom, watch. Mom, Mommy, Mom. And I would look up, yes, Wilder, awesome, Bubby, good job. And it would go back to God's word. Mom, Mommy, Mom, watch. Yes, Wilder, awesome, Bubby, good job. And finally, on like the tenth time, Crosley, sweet little Crosley, says, Hey, Bubby, buddy. Let's stop distracting mom from reading God's word because when she reads God's word, she is a better mommy. <laughs> Guys, I laughed though because he's absolutely right. When I am diligent in my time in God's word, it changes everything about me. I'm a better mom. I am. I'm a better wife. I'm a better friend, a better sister. I'm a better leader. Guys, there's just no excuses. We've got to be in it. Okay, move on. Practical point number six, it does not have to be perfect. If you know me, you know this is hard for me. For a long time, I allowed my desire for perfectionism to get in front of my time with God, meaning in the morning, 
I would want to be showered, dressed, ready for the day, my kids fed a nutrient-rich breakfast, cleaned up, the dishes put away, the laundry started, the house in order, my school lessons for homeschooling perfectly prepared, the kids then happily playing before I sat down with the perfect cup of coffee to enjoy the perfect word of God. And what happens is that it almost always gets crowded out when that's your goal and your focus. So I had to set aside my desire for perfectionism, and I had to let just life happen as I spend time in God's word. For me, that's how it looks. You've got to figure out what it looks like for you to really be studying it. So you might be like me. You might be like, yes, Heidi, I have this desire to read God's word more. Yes, I've had some of those excuses. I just don't really know how to study God's word. That is okay. There is some great practical stuff I'm going to tell you here in one second about how we can learn to dig into God's word. Okay, so there are three websites that I visit on the regular when it comes to God's word. They are, you're going to want to write these down. You're going to want to know these or email me later, but just write them down. So blueletterbible.org, biblehub.com, and biblegateway.com. These are um, resources that are biblically accurate. They're so cool. You can type in keywords, like maybe you know, like, oh, that verse is like, God is bread. Uh, you can write like bread, and it's going to pull up all of the verses in the Bible that talk about, is God bread? I don't understand. And, and it will give you like, oh, yeah, that's John 6.35. And then you will know that that is a verse. You have not made that up, that that is in the Bible, Okay. <laughs> And then you can read it in the Bible. My brother Matt would be so proud of me. I'm not trying to be funny. And <laughs> you're laughing. He says I'm not funny. So um, then, thank you, Paul. <laughs> Paul's always full of truth. Um, okay, so that's a really, really great resource. This, you guys, this um, is literally a huge resource. And it is phenomenal. Guys, this looks really old school because it is, but um, this is the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, and my siblings are cracking up because we used to use this in school all the time. Probably the only Bible nerds in the room that use this in their schooling. Um, but I'm going to try to explain this to you because it can feel a little confusing, but it's so cool. Um, the way this works is that every word that's in the Bible is listed here, okay? Some of you are looking at me like, what the heck? Every word in the Bible is listed here. And then under that word is all of the times where that is in the Bible, okay? So we're talking about Jesus is the bread of life. You can look up the word bread, and it will tell you all of the places in the Bible where that is listed. This is also available online. If you don't want to walk into the, into the coffee shop and study God's word with your strongest concordance, <laughs> you can find this online. Those websites I gave you is within that is the strong, exhaustive Concordance, okay? It's like exhausting to hold that. So that is a really, really cool one. Um, it's also cool because when the text of the Bible was translated into English, um, guess what? Jesus didn't speak in English. Um, so the text was written in Greek and Hebrew. And so if it's in the Old or New Testament, those words were in Greek and Hebrew, okay? And so it will give you information on what those words meant before they were translated into our English language. Because sometimes the, the word, let's say bread, it may not have meant exactly what our physical word bread right now means, so we've got to know the context behind the words. And the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance can help us know how to study that, okay? So 
again, on those websites. I have to rush on because my time is like almost up. But um, a couple other quick things. My grandpa gave me this book years ago. He went to seminary and he used this in seminary. So Holly's Bible Handbook. So good. Recently, I rediscovered this. This has, for every chapter in the Bible, it has just one little clippet of information about what that chapter is about. Okay, so you read God's word. You can look up in this book. I would just get on Amazon today and buy this if I were you because it's so good. So if you want to know what Amos 6 talks about, I bet most of you don't even know that Amos is in the Bible. He is. Amos 6, it's about captivity. Okay, it's going to tell you right there that it's about that. Um, also, study Bibles are awesome. These, um, we like big Bibles in this church. I like big Bibles. Um, these big Bibles... This is a study Bible, and this does the hard work for you. Um, Mike said this last week. So you read God's word, and then right here in the margin, right alongside it, it explains what it means. It goes into a little more depth. So the work is done for you. You don't have to have all of the paraphernalia. Okay? So <laughs> what in the world, you guys? Um, so study Bibles. Guys, those are some practical, quick things for you to learn how to study God's word. Because if we're not studying it, it is not within us. We will not be able to stand in that tension of truth and of love. Okay, so let's rush on really fast. Um, why, Heidi, do I need to read God's word? Because it is renewing your mind. It is making you more like Jesus. It is pulling us from darkness, pushing us to light. And this is scary. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says this. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of the world, so Satan, the enemy of God, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers and has kept them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Some of us are blinded to the truth of God's word. You might be sitting here and you might think, I just don't even believe. It's because your mind is being veiled. It is being veiled to the truth of God. And I need you to begin to pray like, God, remove that veil from me. If I am not believing, if I cannot believe what is being said from your, from your Bible, please cause that veil to be removed. The Bible also, why read the Bible? It brings us balance. I've got three little ones. And recently, um, I've struggled with this thing in my life called postpartum hormones. Holy smokes, guys. This makes everything in my world out of balance and out of whack. And tomorrow, I'm taking some physical steps to go meet with someone to say, what the heck is up with these hormones from postpartum? Something's off. But I'm going to take steps to figure it out. It is the same in our physical life when something's out of balance as in our spiritual life. When we are not balancing the truth of God's word with the spirit of the love of Jesus Christ, we are off balance. We're out of whack. I know some people who err on the side of truth. They want everything to be so truth that they spend all of their time researching all of the people that are teachers of God's word and finding all of the facts about them that they don't think are right instead of focusing on the love of Jesus. So they forsake love in order to follow truth. And I know people who are so focused on the side of love that they forsake the truth. Like, I just want to love people and I don't want to have to call them out because then they're going to think I'm a hater. But they're going to burn in hell if we don't tell them. 
So the Bible brings us balance. Balance is the result of an intentional reaction to an external situation. Guys, we are not slaves to our emotions and to our attitudes. We are servants of Jesus Christ. So balance is looking at areas in our life that are not working and finding measurable, specific actions to change that behavior. My Bible reading was out of balance a few years ago, and I've had to work to regain control of that, to refocus on God's Word. I think one of the final things that throws us off from reading God's Word, and many of you are going to relate to this, is people and their words. Because we value people's words more than we value God's word. Someone's negative to us, and all of a sudden our whole week goes to crap. Instead of like looking like, God, what does your word say about me? What does your word say about my spirit and the way I'm treating people? We focus on people's words so often. People's words tear us down and they wound us deeply. But when we are most wounded by words, we have to run to the only word which is the word of God that can bring us healing. So as I wrap up, ask yourself, am I trying to live a life honoring Jesus based on what people have told me it means or based upon what God's word clearly outlines it means to be a Jesus follower? It's all right there. I want us to be so purposeful that Jesus is our bread of life. That we don't rush his timing when we wake up at four in the morning and think it is breakfast time. We will trust the Almighty enough to go, no, you need to be patient and you need to rest. Because my word, my bread of life is perfect and in order for you. You don't need the promise of a donut at four in the morning to believe that God's word is true. So let's let his word bring us balance in our life. Let it refresh us. Let it give us the courage to live in the tension of both truth and love as Christ's followers. When we consume God's word and we apply it, absolutely everything changes. Everything changes. So I want you to just get on your feet really fast, and I want to pray over you. Lord Jesus, I want to lift up two groups of people to you right now. First, God, I want to just lift up the group of people that might be here in this room or listening on the podcast, people that do not know you, people that may not believe in you. God, I would pray that you would cause the veil that the God of the world has tried to put over their spirit and their mind to be removed right now by the power of your truth, Lord Jesus, that they would begin to believe and that you would bring them into the salvation of your spirit. And if that's you in this room, right now you can humble yourself before Jesus and you can accept him right here right now you don't have to say anything specific other than to just have a dialogue with Jesus and set your heart right with him God I I have sinned I need your mercy and your forgiveness and then step into his grace and his love that's it and now I want to talk to a group of people who are already Christ followers Friends, we have got to be awakened to the truth of Jesus's love Father God I pray right now Lord, that starting with myself and the leaders of this church, that we would be willing to stand so boldly on the truth of your word. God, that we would not cave to the cravings of this world, to the things that shout the loudest, to the things that picket, to the things that tell us, if you don't believe us and champion us, then you are a hater. 
God, I pray that we would keep our eyes fixed on you. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. You have gone before us. So I pray that we would follow so diligently in your footsteps and that we would let your word be the guide so that we do not fall to the left or to the right. Father, I pray that the words of people would not be held in more regard than the words of you. May all of us become more equipped in your word that, Father God, we are your disciple and that we would go out and create disciples. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I pray that this week, as we consume your word, as we absorb the nutrients of your truth, Lord God, that we would be willing to rest in your timing, that we would be willing to believe that you are the bread of our life. And God, that we would become bold servants and followers of you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.